This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now from Studio B, your hosts, Spencer Linton and Blaine Fowler. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy February it is Monday, the first of a new month, wherever and however you're connected. Great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with a man who rivals Alex Barcelo with the sexiest smile in all of television, oh, yeah. Blaine Fowler. I don't know. The one thing we do have in common is we both have half of a front tooth. <laughs> well, I should say half of a real front tooth, because we both got something put in there that doesn't belong to us to, to make it normal. I got a little chip going on right now. Um, I will say this, though, about Alex Barcelo. I'm very, very disappointing after the suggestion I made that when he got that thing fixed that he did some type of a diamond inlay on that thing <laughs> to give him some street credit and make him look tougher. Some bling. He went with a plain old perfect smile. <sighs> very disappointed, Alex. Very disappointed. Oh, well, he didn't disappoint his coach based on the introduction that Mark Pope gave to him in the postgame conference following <laughs> Saturday's double overtime win. One of the toughest kids in college basketball, but definitely – the sexiest smile in college basketball. The one, the only, the great Alex Marcelo. I need that hype man in my life, Blaine. I, I yeah. need that in my life. It, these players love Mark Pope, and it's, it's a combination of he's got a lot of credibility because he's a great player, right? And he can be serious. But, but also just the goofiness of Mark makes him endearing to everybody that's around him. That kind of stuff right there. He, he really should be an announcer and. What's the fake wrestling league? What's that called? Oh, uh, WWE? I don't know what it is anymore. <laughs> we, we, it used to be... Uh, yeah. It, it, oh, I don't want to burst anybody's bubble either. So I, <laughs> maybe I shouldn't call it fake for those of you that think it's real. But he should be an announcer in that league. Mark Pope would be great in that... I used to call it world, World's Fakest Wrestling. So maybe it was WFR back in the that, old days. Something like that. But world's Fakest Wrestling... Mark would be awesome, WFW. There was some uh, trademark infringement, so they had to change it up. I That's think it was why WFW. The World, WWF. World Wrestling Federation. Federation or yes. something like that. But it was World's Wrestling Fake. I believe the World Wildlife Foundation had a, I don't want, had a I don't significant want issue with that. Anybody <laughs> that, that thought it was real, I apologize. That's all good. Blaine Fowler from the top rope with his blinged out diamond tooth. Can see it now. Flying head scissors was yeah. my move. That was my move. The flying head scissors. Here's your Monday show lineup. Flying head scissors may or may not make another appearance. <laughs> Pacific and BYU and their double overtime thriller, absolutely a topic of conversation. BYU avoiding what could have been a frankly devastating home loss to their NCAA tournament resume. So where do the Cougars sit now? in the latest brackets and the seed lines. Assistant coach Nick Robinson will join us to discuss the number one teaching point following that scare from the Tigers, plus projecting BYU football by the numbers. Is it a complete rebuild? ESPN's Bill Connolly suggests it just might be. Bring on today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. Let's start with men's hoops. Right, okay, pull off a, a double overtime home win Saturday night against Pacific, led by uh, Brandon Averitt's 24 points. Man, the guards were good down the stretch in that one. Averitt, Barcelo, and Harms combined for 60 points in that game. The Cougars travel now Tuesday, a rare Tuesday game, uh, to San Diego, um, and uh, it's 9 p.m. Eastern. Tune into BYU Sports Network and BYU Radio to, to pick up the uh, radio broadcast of that game. Hey, don't worry. Just leave it up to Big Shot Brandon, right? Yeah. 
It's true. Abrams to the left wing, the 15-second shot clock, and a 36-second game clock. B.A. drives, scoops, scores the rim! Brandon Abrams, 24, and the Cougs lead by 10, 31 seconds to go. How good has Brandon Averett been in clutch scenarios? He wants that shot. Yes, he does. He hits that shot. He seeks it out for a reason. BYU football, Zane Anderson played in the Hula Bowl last night. He had two tackles and a touchdown-saving pass breakup. He's one of several Cougars hoping for that National Football League shot. Tell you what, those type of plays can only help his resume. And that's what he can be. He can be a playmaker. Great range and size and speed. Hopefully that showed up to the folks that were watching him in that Hula Bowl. It's on to women's soccer. Women's soccer uh, shuts out Weber State 7-0 in exhibition in an exhibition match, um, including this goal. Youngberg's pass, no problems for BYU there. Coolahan on a breakaway. 20 seconds to play in the half. Michaela Coolahan scores 3-0 BYU. A Davis high, Michaela Coolahan. Of course. Where all our kids went. So Michaela Coolahan, Rachel McCarthy, Cameron Tucker scored two goals each. And uh, Makaili Call scored one. That brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. How about this? Saturday's exhibition win marks the first time three different BYU women's soccer players have scored two goals in a match since all the way back in 2009 against Dixie State. It was utter domination. I witnessed it firsthand, Blaine. Yeah, you saw it. You They're really it. good. 7-0 in soccer is, what's the equivalent in football? 17 to nothing? Yes. Okay, so that was a 17 to, in my frame of reference, that yes. was 70 zip. Essentially, yeah. Wow. Like, a goal is worth probably 10 <laughs> points in football. No, no question. So, and, and uh, women's soccer takes on Utah this Saturday uh, in another exhibition. No, no, no. This is so the regular season will start. Oh, so it's not an exhibition. No, Weber okay. State was an exhibition. Now we flip the page to the real spring season. Thanks, COVID. Okay, so yeah, I, I can't keep track of it. <laughs> I just know I'm rooting for them. That's all. That's all I know. You're not alone, my friend. We have a hard time ourselves. The BYU women's track and field distance medley relay team finished with the fastest time in the entire country over the weekend. 11 minutes, 3 seconds and change puts them in solid position to qualify now for the NCAA Indoor Championships. Courtney Wayman and Olivia Hodge also competed solo and had career best mile performances running the 4th fastest and 5th fastest miles in school history. BYU track and field is a legit NCAA power. It is rolling. Rolling. They've got it rolling. Uh, Men's and women's and cross country. Let's throw that in with it, right? Dominating. It's, it's awesome what they've got going in track and field and cross country. Your boy Ed Eyestone, who That's was here going to school with you. So Ed and I are old I mean, we were teammates, but we were here at the same time, and I followed Ed's career, and then we were neighbors up in Davis County. Mm-hmm. Now we're neighbors down here. That's my boy right there. He's, Ed Eyestone is my guy. He's a champion. So they are phenomenal. Phenomenal. So how about number 12 women's gymnastics team? They record their season high score in a win over Utah State. Utah State's ranked number 21. 196.425 mm. uh, to 195.175. So the Cougars hold a two-match winning streak. So against a ranked Aggie gymnastics squad, Solid. right? So two-game win streak, a match this Friday in Provo. 
against Southern Utah. Yeah, Southern Utah, another ranked team. They're yeah. in the top 15. Very well could determine who wins the Mountain Rim Gymnastics Conference. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. We're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Double overtime madness. And let me set up this topic, Blaine, with the following tweet from John Rothstein of CBS Sports, who followed up BYU's double overtime win against Pacific with this. Quote, BYU avoids brutality in Provo with a double OT win over Pacific would have been a disastrous defeat, not just for the Cougars, but for the West Coast Conference's hopes to be a multi-bid league. Survive in advance. Even though it wasn't technically that scenario, it kind of felt that way, Blaine. So in some way, was this double overtime win as gritty and as ugly and as tough as it was a turning point for BYU moving forward? I think it was, and, and for a couple of reasons, because I felt like this team had to find a different way to win than just make some jump shots. Um, they were having trouble getting stops. They they found ways to win earlier in the season by just outshooting people. Um, they played tremendous defense down the stretch in a couple of close games and won. In this one, I love the way that they attacked the basket down the stretch, especially in that second overtime. They found a way to gut it out. And they've been on a, a little bit of a, a run here the last four or five games where they, they've gone out and got a lead, they've given up that lead, and, and let teams back in it. Now, it's it's good to learn things when you're winning, right? Mm. So so they win three of those four. They they drop that one to Pepperdine, right? So they win three of four in that fashion. And and I felt like the guard play down the stretch between Barcelo and Averett was phenomenal. So good. I was so so good, and both stepping up. And I found I felt like Barcelo found a, a, a different way to play a little bit in this game. Down the stretch, he just said, you know what, jump shot's not going. They're they're guarding me out on the perimeter. I am going to turn the corner. I'm going to attack the basket. I'm going to get to the front of the rim and score, or I'm going to get to the free throw line and score from there. Uh, if if they do rotate to me, which Pacific, once they lost their bigs to fouls, didn't really rotate him. He was just able to finish, but he was ready to distribute the ball out to guys like Averett sitting on the perimeter to, to score. So I, I felt like Barcelo, after a, a – Three or four game stretch where he's struggling to find a shot. I think he turned the corner. And if he turns the corner and he's the alpha dog on this team, then by virtue of that, this entire team turns the corner. And I think they're poised for a stretch run right now. Uh, they, they go out, they've got a couple of road games against teams they should beat. Although San Diego scares me with all the names we, we, we'll, we'll talk about here. They're coming a up. weird matchup. When I think of the guys on that team, they should be way better than a two and seven team. But I think BYU goes out, and I feel like they get on a roll right now, and they finish this season strong. It's kind of like Alex Barcelo got his mojo back, and we witnessed it in the midst of that game against Pacific. And I like to tie headlines because you know I work in media, and <laughs> they call me anchor boy here at BYU That's Sports right. Nation because I come up with these headlines. But it's almost like you, you've heard of the movie How Stella Got Her Groove Back. Okay, how Alex got his groove back. And you do that by playing well in a tough scenario like that. And it was almost like the entire team lifted around him once he started to make these big shots. So it was so almost comforting, I'm sure, for the coaching staff, first and foremost, to see Alex make big plays when he's been in, let's face it, a drought. He's been in a funk, Blaine. I don't know if it had something to do with that tooth, the elbow there. 
but he's he's got his mojo back, and that's big for BYU moving forward. So you're saying this is how Alex got his groove? Was it Stella that got yes. his groove back? This is how Alex got his groove Alex back. Alex got his groove back, but Stella was the original that got her <laughs> groove back. No, and, and, and I, I would agree with you that, that at some point it, it's got to come back. And teams started to guard him differently. I mean, he was so dominating early, and it just seemed too easy. And then teams started to say, we're going to be physical with him. We're going to hedge hard on screens. We're going to double him off of these screens. We're going to get the ball out of his hands. Right, and that's always more prominent yeah. in conference play, too, because they know these teams yes. better than other teams. And 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 they spend more time scouting, and they it's 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 just the way it is. They understand how one another coach. And I, even though this is Mark Pope's second year, these teams have all played against Mark Pope. They know what he likes to do, and that now they plug that into the new cast of players. And so he was getting defended harder. And, and I just felt like in this Pacific game. Um, he had to kind of grind through that and find out other ways to contribute because he certainly did. Think about it. In the first half, he only had two points in that game, in the Pacific game. But then you look at his line at the end of the game, 23 points, nine rebounds, seven assists. Okay. He found out not only a way to score, but a way to get the ball to his teammates in great scoring position. And I, and I feel like this is a light bulb moment for this team and for him where they're going to go, okay, if people are going to guard that way, then this is the answer. And uh, – I. Yeah, I think it's nothing but good looking forward. Okay, turning point moment, we think, collectively for Alex Barcelo. I really liked what the ball security situation became for BYU later in the game. They This team, and uh, it was pointed out by Ken Pomeroy a couple of weeks back, that under Mark Pope, BYU's going to take some risk or take chances. And so it's not a new thing that they turn the ball over a little bit more than you know BYU fans and, and basketball analysts would like to see. But I thought the ball security overall was pretty good late in the game, and especially in that second overtime. The second thing I want to point out, Blaine, is Gideon George is an impact player. Mm -hmm. I look at him playing three minutes against Pepperdine in that loss and think, why didn't BYU play Gideon George more? And I know that the coaching staff has their reasons. They're they're the ones that are with him day in and day out. But he made a huge play late in the game against Pacific in regulation, and I think he is a matchup nightmare for teams in the West Coast Conference because BYU typically doesn't have a player like him. He reminds me of, who's the guy from St. Mary's? Malik Fitz. Yeah. He reminds me of Malik Fitz. That's how He's a little bit more raw for sure, but he's tough to guard off the dribble. He's physical. He's big. He's long, and uh, he can do some nice things defensively. So more Gideon George, I think, is uh, what I'm hoping for as BYU makes this turning point. He certainly plays with a great confidence, right? Especially on the offensive end. And he's learning his rotations on defense. I think that's the only thing that limits him right now with more minutes. But he is that mismatch. Fitz is a great comparison because Gideon George is, he's too long for a, a small, quick guy to cover. So he can go out and score on the perimeter. We saw him making jump shots in the highlights we were just watching. So if you put a, a smaller guy that can go out there and stay with him there, he's too long. He just shoots right over the top of him. Or he'll go down and post him up or take him right to the, right to the rack, and then they, they, they're not physical. And if you put a bigger guy on him um, where they can maybe defend him inside, then he just takes him on the outside. He's a really tough matchup, and that's why when he gets in the game, with that confidence, I think he's got that mentality that no one can guard me. Like, put me in the game, give me the ball, because no one can guard me. And you need a guy like that, right? Yeah. And so I'm, I'm with you. I'd like, to see, I'd like to see him play more. And I think, you know, as his defensive mindset, and it's not that he doesn't play hard defense. I think 
there's a concept of all the different rotations and how they want to defend things. And, uh, you know, he keeps getting better and better and better. And as he gets better at that, he see, I think he's going to see more and more time. You know, a sneaky uh, confidence-boosting game for Connor Harding late there, who has been kind of up and down this season. Yeah. He's trying he to find big, his foot. big plays. He big really plays did. He really yeah. did. Okay, how about this for BYU basketball and the resume update following the win against Pacific? And frankly, just just win the games. That's what the committee's going to care about. Find a way to show that you can win tough games. And that has been the definition of BYU basketball this year. I don't care if it's ugly. Just find a way to win. So the Cougars, since last Friday, have moved down one spot to number 38 in the net. Very solid ranking. Ken Palm, 49. Basketball power index at ESPN. Minus eight since last Friday, but that follows a loss of Pepperdine. So the number 40. 22 in the KPI, strength of record in Sagarin, both 31. And now about the brackets, Blaine. Jerry Palm has bumped BYU from an 11 seed to a 10 seed. Bracket Matrix has BYU with an average 8.72 seed in 78 of the listed 80 brackets today. Team rankings, ESPN Bracketology, those haven't been updated just yet, but they have BYU's 9 seed. So we'll find out from Joe Lenardi where he has the Cougars. Right now, it feels like BYU's in a good position as long as they handle the games that they're supposed to win. And here's the thing. You just win because other teams are going to lose. And, and that's the deal. So it doesn't really matter how you get it done, whether it's two overtimes and you stretch it out and win by eight or you win in a close one or you blow a team out. At this point in the season where you're in everybody's bracket, I'm not going to say everybody's because it's 78 out of 80, that bracket matrix attracts them all. But, but keep in mind, the lowest in any of those was an 11 seed. Right, so they're comfortably in in all of those brackets, right? And so, so I feel like now it's it's doesn't even have to be with style. You just need to go out and win all of those games, and you can lose to Gonzaga. Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't matter. matter. <laughs> doesn't matter if you lose to Gonzaga, right? That that actually may you could go lose in a close game to Gonzaga and move up. It would help you. Yeah, that's it actually helps you. Like helps play you strengthen well the schedule, against right? Gonzaga, lose yeah. by ten that's, or twelve, and we understand what that's all about, and nobody even questions that, right? Holy cow! And hey, why not shock the world? But Let's just face reality here. You can win every other game and don't even worry about yeah. Gonzaga. Well, I saw the, uh, and I call this the irrational girlfriend mode. This was established last week after BYU lost to Pepperdine that everything good has been erased. It's all about the one <laughs> bad loss. And I saw that start to happen on Saturday on Twitter, too, after BYU won the game. Just listen. It's going to be okay. Step back. See the big picture. And I, I saw a couple of tweets saying, uh, enough with the tournament conversation. We're not the ones putting them in the brackets no, consistently know. here. I know. We're pointing it out. So the tournament talk, whether so you like you, it or not, so is going pe- to People continue. think the only one that's allowed to talk about anything is Mark Few because they're undefeated. Right? <laughs> and Mark could even say, hey, maybe we shouldn't even have a WCC tournament. Maybe, maybe we should just go to the NCAA tournament since right now we're the number one overall seed. It's good to be Mark Few. Yeah, it's good to be Mark. Certainly. So, but the rest of it, this is, what, this is the time of year, the stretch run. We're talking about the brackets. That's okay. Yes. And, yes, and, it is. and we're not the ones that put them in. You and I don't have a bracket. We just listed we, every we don't publish one of the one, national right? guys. So, so we're going to talk about it. And they're right where they should be. Our question of the day. What was your biggest takeaway from BYU's double overtime win against Pacific on Saturday night? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. At Critter Phillips answers on Twitter. Relentless. It may not have been pretty early, but when it came down to it, BYU fought hard and showed they wanted it more. It also helps when you foul out Pacific's three biggest guys. That's the part about being relentless. They just kept taking <laughs> it at those guys, and then they fouled out. That was a factor the for battle sure. Battle of attrition. Give it to Big Rich. Hashtag BYUS on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. There we go. 
Hey, coming up, uh, will free throws be a focus in today's BYU practice? We'll discuss that. Yeah, we, we need to discuss that. Plus, BYU basketball assistant coach Nick Robinson. What was his number one teaching point following another dramatic, hard-fought win? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us tonight for BYU Basketball with Mark Pope as the coach and Greg Rebell review the double overtime win versus Pacific. They preview road tilts at San Diego and Portland, plus chat with Spencer Johnson tonight, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. We are live in Studio B on a Monday with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with my good friend Blaine Fowler. Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline is BYU basketball assistant coach Nick Robinson. Nick, what a wild weekend for you. And Blaine and I, as well as many others, want to know what are the emotions like for you as a coach when you get into a double overtime contest? You know, I mean, it's great to be here today, Spencer and Blaine. When you get in those uh, situations, uh, you really try to stay as calm as possible on the outside. Um, but internally, your mind's going a thousand miles an hour, your heart's racing that much faster. And, uh, you know, you really just want uh, the best for, uh, you know, our guys and for our team uh, when you get into those situations. But, um, you know, I know for me, I was really excited each time uh, we were uh, uh, headed into overtime because it meant we had another chance to win. (laughs) You know, when we, we think about down the stretch in regulation, there were some chances to win that game if everything goes right. And and it ends up being into overtime, and then and and then chances to win that game in the first overtime, and that gets into the second overtime, and you guys took over. It's always good to have lessons to learn in a win, right? That's way better than a loss. So, what's the number one teaching point from this win the other night? You know, I think for for us. Uh, the number one teaching point that we want to double down on is, you know, our guys uh, did a great job of responding to uh, the adversity, right, at the end of regulation, at the end of overtime. Um, you know, each time something uh, didn't quite go our way, uh, we were able to respond as a team. And, you know, that's hard to do. Uh, you know, it's the first overtime, uh, you know, game that we've had this year. We had a number of them last year. But, you know, for this team uh, at this stage, uh, you know, to, to be able to display their toughness and be able to make plays right after a few things don't quite go our way uh, was really, really impressive in my mind. Coach, eight guys played 15 or more minutes on Saturday, 10 total. This isn't something new to this year's squad. So will that trend continue moving forward with a lot of guys playing or will the rotation get smaller as you make the stretch run? You know, I think for this team, we've seen that each guy, right, brings something unique to the table, right? Each guy, uh, you know, contributes, uh, you know, in a different way. And so, you know, we were fortunate to have, um, you know, Alex and uh, Matt and Brandon, right, you know, come out, uh, you know, at different times throughout the game and play extremely well and lead us uh, to victory. Um, You know, we've seen that our bench, right, over the past you know, 19 games, right, collectively uh, has been able to, um, you know, outscore uh, and outplay, right, our opponents, right, relatively consistently. So, 
you know, I think for us, as we continue to move forward, right, each guy's got to continue to get better every day. Each guy's got to be ready to uh, contribute. And, uh, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, how Coach Pope uh, decides to move forward with, uh, you know, the rotations in the lineup. There, I guess there are some pros and cons. What are those to have a bench that deep and, and to be able to go to 10 or 11 guys sometimes? I guess there's some pluses and some some challenges with that. What are those? Yeah, for each individual player, you know, at, at times it can be a little bit challenging, right? So that, so, you know, one game you might play, you know, seven or eight minutes and the next game you might play 20 minutes. Um, you know, that can be a challenge uh, internally, uh, you know, but, you know, for us, you know, it's really not about the individual, right? It's about us as a team and, uh, you know, each game presents different challenges. And so each guy's got to be ready to step up, uh, you know, given those, uh, you know, challenges that we're about to face. And so, um, you know, again, you know, I, I kind of go back to each guy right on this roster has done a great job of really seeking to play right for his teammate. And, um, you know, each night has presented uh, different challenges uh, and uh, we've seen different guys step up at different times. BYU basketball assistant coach Nick Robinson with us on BYU Sports Nation. Case in point to what you just said, coach, Gideon George plays 15 minutes against Pacific clutch plays down the stretch just three minutes against Pepperdine what's his role specifically moving forward yeah Gideon George right has continued to progress throughout this year like a lot of our guys have and you know the the ability that he has on the defensive end the ability that he has in terms of rebounding right have really proven to be able to you know help our team at uh, particular times Um, you know in terms of the offensive end Right. He's been very aggressive, uh, but he's also, you know, had some turnover uh, issues. Uh, But, you know, each guy, you know, like Gideon George, you know, has really progressed. You know, and you think about, uh, you know, Connor Harding and his role, uh, you know, and how he's been able to adapt and change, um, you know, in the big plays that he made uh, right in our last game. And so, um, you know, I, I think that each guy, right has started to kind of establish the role that they're able to play, um, you know, for this team. And now they've got to continue to maximize it. You know, Coach, last year's team was was a veteran team, a lot, lot of seniors. And it seemed like you still had to figure out what, you know, what everybody was going to do and what their role was going to be. Um, and there were, came a point in the season where it seems like you, switch, you put a switch and a light bulb came on and you went in the stretch run and they were just – dominating at that point how does this team compare I know it's a younger team uh, but but how does this team compare to last year's team because you're not going to embark on the stretch run really are, are they as prepared as last team and how do they compare in contrast yeah so I mean so last year right we had uh, you know a number of guys uh, that had been right at high level college basketball right for three plus years right knocking on the door and so the makeup of this team is a little bit different right but you know a lot of credit goes to coach Pope right as he's uh, managed each individual as he's managed this team right and, and now that we're entering February right in this home stretch I think we're in somewhat of a similar position right? You know, Coach Pope, right, is starting to get a really good feel for, you know, each guy, right, where this team can be, um, you know, as we move forward into the next game. Uh, But also, I think that the guys on this team have really started to understand, right, Coach Pope, um, you know, in a a great way, 
right? You know, our emphasis, right, defensively and rebounding is continuing to progress. You know, offensively, right, we're continuing to progress, right, in a lot of ways. And so, you know, I think that, you know, for this team moving forward, right, we feel like we're in a similar situation, um, you know, as last year's team. And, you know, and the thing that, you know, I, I feel like both teams have and have been able to display, right, is a lot of mental toughness, right? You think about this year's team, team uh, you know in our first uh, you know conference games we've been on the road more than we have been at home and we're about to go on the road again and so you know to be where we are at this this point in time uh, to see the toughness that this team has displayed the ability to respond very similar to how last year's team uh, you know played um, you know gaming game in and game out especially after losses right is really impressive as we head into February. No question this team has had its fair share of high-pressure situations and, like you said, have responded very well in most of those games. Specific to the Pacific contest, your team had a chance to seemingly put things away with some free throws. Those didn't drop at the end of the game. So how do you address free throw concerns in high-pressure situations and practice and simulate something like that moving forward? You know, our, our uh, you know, methodology as it relates to free throws, you know, probably won't change, right? You know, our focus, right, is not on the makes and misses. Our focus is on, right, the routine, right, and how we finish, right, each free throw. And so we were pleased that each guy that stepped up to the line, right, finished their free throws. Uh, I mean, you take, uh, you know, uh, you know, two games ago, uh, or three games ago against Pepperdine, right? And we shoot, what, 85, 90% from the free throw line. And so, you know, we're going to continue to stay, stay consistent, um, you know, in, uh, you know, our practice and our efforts and in our teaching as it relates to free throws. And uh, we have a lot of confidence that guys will step up and make those cru- crucial free throws the next time we're in that situation. Let's talk about Alex Barcel a little bit, Coach. It, it, early in the season, I mean, he was shooting at such a crazy rate, we all just kept shaking our heads and saying, like, nobody can continue to shoot 63% from three, right? That's just – we didn't expect that. But, but he had a little bit of a four-game stretch here where scoring's been tough. And I know he's contributed in other ways, but, but he had a little bit of a, a scoring drought where his percentage came down. He was having a hard time finding good shots. The other night against Pacific – Seems like he found a different way to score, turning the corner and, and, and getting ahead and, and turn this thing around. Is this a turning point uh, for Alex, do you think, where, um, where he now goes on another run? And, and how have you handled him during this time while he's been in a little bit of a shooting slump? You know, I think Coach Pope and Coach Figure have done a great job, you know, with Alex, um, you know, throughout the season, right? I mean, Alex as a leader has been tremendous uh, for us throughout the year, you know, even during a little bit of a, uh, you know, a slump, uh, you know, from a shooting perspective, you know, but every single day, right, he continues to work, right, extremely consistently and extremely, you know, hard, right, to, uh, you know, build his confidence as we move forward. So, you know, as it relates to, you know, the recent, uh, you know, shooting slump, you know, we're in, in league play at this stage. And, uh, you know, Alex having been, uh, you know, one of our key contributors, you know, when it comes to film and scout and preparation, right, our opponents, 
right, have done a solid job, right, of, uh, you know, guarding Alex, right, in different ways that maybe he had seen earlier in the year. And so, you know, he's been able to adjust to that, right, with a lot of film with Coach Fieger. Uh, he's been able to, you know, continue to stay the course. And yes, right, in league, right, you know, shots can get to be a little bit, you know, tougher. Uh, but, you know, in this last game, right, he did a great job, right, of finding an extra bounce, of finding opportunities to be able to, right, draw fouls, right, get to the free throw line and, you um, uh, you know, to be, you know, very productive, right, in a different way. Uh, you know, he only shot, what, one three, right? But we had multiple guys, and he was able to set up other guys, right, with seven assists, you know, four threes. And as a team, we're able to shoot 38%. But, you know, when it comes right down to it, Alex Barcelo, right, he's all about winning, right? That's what he wants for this team, right? That's what he wants for the program. And, uh, you know, he's excited about winning basketball games. Coach, in the uncertainty of the COVID era, it feels like a game is capable of happening any day. At one point, we saw a Monday game on the schedule. That was scrapped. Pacific got moved up. Now you got a rare Tuesday game against San Diego. How are you and the team handling the uncertainty of pushing forward with these rare early week games? You know, I know from an assistant coach's perspective and, and preparing for scouts, um, you know, in scouting our opponents, right? It's come with its ups and downs and some really late nights uh, as you go from preparing uh, for one team and then 24 hours later, you're all of a sudden preparing for another team. So, um, you know, but from our, our guys' perspective, you know, they're really, really grateful to be playing games. You know, there's a lot of teams throughout the country that, you know, have yet to play five games, uh, you know, six games. And so, you know, I think that gratitude uh, to be able to play games, right, and the effort from our administration and Coach Pope and the West Coast Conference, right, to be able to help us, right, you know, play games, whether they have to be rescheduled or not, uh, you know, brings a, you know, a level of, you know, excitement, but also nerve and nervousness because you may not know, right, you know, exactly when you're playing. So, you know, our guys have done a great job, right, of handling, uh, you know, the situation that we're in when it comes to COVID, you know, trying to keep their bodies healthy, right, and being smart, um, you know, as well as, uh, you know, being able to be prepared. And so, you know, we dealt with it, you know, in different ways earlier on in the year. So as we head down this stretch, you know, we, we feel like we've seen, uh, you know, every scenario uh, from a, a preparation standpoint, uh, as well as from an opportunity and a gratefulness to be able to play games. Well, San Diego's up next. And uh, give us a quick scout on San Diego. What can we expect? Yeah, so Coach Burgess, right, has done a great job in the last, right, 24 hours of preparing all of us. You know, San Diego, you know, at this point has really uh, had to deal with, uh, you know, COVID uh, in different ways. And, you know, they uh, have yet to really have a, uh, you know, a stretch of games where they've had a full roster. And so right now, right, we are preparing for a full roster, um, you know, and they've got – you know, a couple of guys have done a great job uh, overall, um, you know, in being consistent throughout, uh, you know, at the point guard position, um, you know, Finn uh, Sullivan, right, you know, is very, uh, you know, savvy in the way that he plays. Uh, you know, Josh Parrish, uh, who plays at their three and the four, is very explosive as a scorer. 
and does a great job. They've got some tremendous bigs, uh, you know, that are strong and physical, right? And they're going to give us uh, some concern inside. Um, you know, one of their you know, best shooters, right, has been kind of in and out, uh, you know, of games. Uh, but Calcaterra, you know, is a great shooter, right? And, and you know, has yet to maybe find a little bit of his rhythm. But, you know, we've seen that he's pr- a proven, right, shooter. And so, you know, they're well, well coached. Uh, we have to go to their place. And, um, you know, it's going to be a tough battle, you know, last year at their place, right. It came down to the last play and, um, you know, Yoli and, and, uh, TJ were able to make a tremendous, uh, play to finish the game. Uh, but it's going to be a battle as, as we head down to San Diego. Coach, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for the road trip. The least we can do because, uh, as you pointed out, your time is limited. So thanks for taking a uh, timeout, pun intended, and hanging out with us on BYU Sports Nation. Well, I'm glad I could be a part of the timeout. Uh, I feel like the stretched media timeout uh, that it is. Uh, way better talking to you guys than it is to referees during media timeouts. <laughs> I love All it, right, man. Thanks, Good Nick. luck tomorrow. Hey, thanks, guys. Nick Robinson on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Hey, coming up, is 2021 a complete rebuild year for BYU football? Well, we're going there. Okay. And is BYU basketball too high, too low, or just right in the latest bracketology? This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Visible Supply Chain Management. BYU hoops back on the road tomorrow night to face San Diego in San Diego. Coverage begins at 8 Eastern time with our boy Jason Shepard. My lifting buddy, sort of. We lift in the same gym. <laughs> but but it's on it's on Cougar Pregame Live. Catch Shep there. Greg Wobel will be on the call at 9 Eastern on BYU Radio and BYU Radio app. We lift at the same place. He doesn't lift with me. Okay. So because if he did kind of work out. Because if he did, his arms would be a lot bigger. <laughs> Oh, he is Blaine Fowler. <laughs> Bicep Blaine Fowler. I am merely Spencer. But, hey, let's not – and his legs would be considerably bigger because he'd have to lift legs twice a week instead of once every other year. <laughs> this is true. So. It's true. Leg day. Come on, Shep. This is BYU Sports Nation on a Monday. Let's whip it. Cougar Whip Around presented by Visible Supply Chain Management tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. All right, Blaine, BYU receives exactly zero votes – in today's AP college basketball poll, after receiving 11 votes last week, is this something or nothing? It's nothing. I just don't care about the AP poll in basketball. It's the it's the least important metric, really. NET, I care about that, right? Because I, I'm worried about them getting into the NCAA tournament. And so I look at that AP poll, and this is truly the sport where all you're doing is you're trying to work your way into the NCAA tournament and win a game or two in that NCAA tournament and see where you finish at the end of the year because we have a national tournament unlike football. Yes. So it's nothing. I don't care. It is nothing. Do you care? I don't care. No, it's about bracketology. Bracketology in college basketball has replaced the importance of the AP poll. So it's nothing. You and I don't care at all. Okay. So BYU now. On the other hand here, BYU, they move up in Jerry Palm's bracketology. They go from 11 to a 10 seed. Big deal or no deal? I think this is a big deal to show all of the fans that are freaking out 
It's okay. As long as you win, doesn't matter if it's ugly, doesn't matter if it's double overtime against a team you should beat by double figures. Just win the games you're supposed to win, and you remain in the bracket. And not only that, but hey, they, they jump up to a 10 seed from where Palm had them last week as an 11 seed. And that, to me, that signals that they're the people of, uh, around the country that think basketball, the same kind of minds that will be in the tournament selection room, go, yeah, they're not just in, they're comfortably in. They're 10 seed, they're 11 seed, and they have a chance to play their way up now. And, you know, as we've mentioned, you just beat everybody and don't worry about Gonzaga. That's what you do. That's what you do. So I think this is a bigger deal than the AP. I really do. All right, staying with BYU basketball. If you are head coach Mark Pope, based on the free throw line struggles against Pacific, how much time is spent in practice today on the charity stripe? So th- this is this fine line where do you, do you spend more time and do you address it in a big way so that now it's up in their heads? Because you don't want it all up in their heads. Or do you just go on as usual and say, this was an aberration, guys. This isn't who we are. We're just going to do our normal thing. And when you step up to the line and finish that free throw the next time, you'll be fine. I would say you do that. I mean, the opposite of that is you could go to the Earl Woods school. Remember when Tiger he used to stand behind him and blow horns and do all kinds of crazy stuff to try to distract him when he was putting and doing things because Tiger was unflappable. So you you, you go you can go that route. I say that's that's not a good route here. I say the route is you tell these guys you're better than that. We're gonna do what we always do, but I want you to really focus. And that's not who we are. You make free throws. Rhythm and consistency so that whether you're shooting in the first minute of the game or the final minute of the game, you need to be in your routine. It's all about the muscle memory and the, pro- the progression of that free throw line routine. Like, And sometimes I think the pressure freaks people out and they're a little off kilter. Get in that consistent mindset. In the rhythm. In the rhythm. It's about confidence. So, Okay, which of the BYU women's teams had the best performance this weekend? So, gymnastics. Highest score of the year, mm-hmm. and, and they're ranked mm-hmm. number twelve. Women's um, uh, DMR post the best time. So this is distance, distance medley relay uh, team on our track team. They post the best time in the NCAA this season. Or women's soccer, who who beats Weber State in an exhibition seven to nil. And you told me that's the equivalent of seventy to nothing. In this. So it which is. which is the biggest? We had the best Man. performance. This is tough, but because of the ramifications for postseason competition. I'm going to go with the women's distance medley relay team because they have essentially positioned themselves to be in the NCAA championship meet now. That's how track and field works. It's just They go by times. It was so good that they probably already qualified for the postseason in that run. And so that, to me, is greater than an early season victory for gymnastics or for women's soccer. I, I agree. I think anytime you have an NCAA best time, that, that's something. So I'll give them the nod as well. Those are all three great performances this weekend, but I'm going to go with you. This is Medley Relay. Gets our nod for best women's performance of the weekend. That's legit. They might be the best team, speaking track and field as a whole, on campus. Top five program. Not just a team this year. It's a program in the top five. Incredible. All right, coming up, we talked about their performances. Did Spencer have the best weekend of us all? I've got a case. That's the question. And... Is next season a complete rebuild for BYU football or just reload? The numbers from ESPN's Bill Connolly suggest the rebuild may be in full swing. Not sure we agree. Stay with us on BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Catch the latest BYU Sports Nation right now with Kiki Solano. 
It's BYU Sports with a social media twist. Catch the latest episodes on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And I always do this for Kiki. Right, right now. now. But there's supposed right to be a thing that says right now right here when I go, right now. <laughs> so I do that for Kiki. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation live right now from Studio B. Quite literal, right? Yes. Uh, and we begin this segment uh, with some football news. Dax Milne tweeted out 30 minutes ago, the BYU receiver, that he has received an NFL Combine invitation. Kairos Tonga and Chris Wilcox tweeted the same out over the weekend. Clearly, Zach Wilson and Brady Christensen are going to be invited in that uh, group. They're going to get some attention. But, Blaine, I'm not really sure what that means because the Combine is not going to be the traditional big showcase in Indianapolis where everyone gathers and the scouts are all there. Um, what we do know is that players are going to be granted access to maybe have a greater spotlight uh, and they can compete the workouts or complete the workouts rather on their college campus or at a, a location of their choice. But, but I think the details are still to be worked out, but a bunch of virtual stuff. And here's the thing. It's, it, it's a prestigious thing. Um, the NFL rates players, and if you're in a top so many players, you get a combine invite. And in a year when there's not really a – a in-person combine, they're still sending out these invites to indicate you would have been yeah. in that group. And now I imagine they get extra attention, whether it's a virtual workout on campus or whatever it is, they pay special attention. And perhaps they even post those things. We'll, we'll get some more on all of this, but but it's a prestigious thing to get a combine invite. And it's been a while since BYU's had multiple invites to a combine. And that, that ought to tell you a little bit about the talent level um, that is has been on that that was on the football team the last couple of years and moving on and the point that this football program is at you know can they backfill that kind of thing yeah the, think about the guys that are leaving obviously you lose your all world quarterback Zach Wilson and Dax Milne and Matt Bushman is gone the great tight end we didn't get to see him last year but he's he's gone and that's still a vacancy you know uh, Kyrus Tonga Chris Wilcox Zane Anderson Troy Warner. Brady Christensen, Chandon Herring, Tristan Hodge. Blaine, the list is it long. Sounds, it sounds really scary, doesn't it? sounds ominous, it? right? So, and based on Bill Connolly's ESPN numbers, he, he looks at the production that's being lost. I asked the following question. Is 2021 a complete rebuilding year for BYU football? Because according to Connolly, BYU is 127th out of 130 teams in college football in overall returning production at just 31%. Should we be freaking out about this? Well, if, if you don't know the team up close and personal and you don't get to understand, you know, who they've recruited on top of, like who's right who's right behind Brady Christensen? What are they going to do there? And the thing that makes BYU interesting, because I'd be interested, and we didn't get a chance to go back and look at how BYU was graded last year, because nobody had any idea BYU was going to be good like they were, right? What did they bring back? Yeah, what did they bring back? And BYU's always affected more than any place in the country by missionaries that are coming back, that backed up last year or redshirted last year, that were big-time recruits coming out, that they have big plans for, and now will be ready to play, right? Um, They don't plan on guys like Isaac Rex. Did anybody know who Isaac Rex was? Last year, and so Bill Conley, he has this grading criteria formula that he looks at, and and he weights it. So, uh, returning quarterback passing yards is twenty nine percent of his okay. offensive weighting system, right? Okay. Well, that's a big hit for BYU in his weighting system. Returning running back rushing yards is five percent. It's tiny. So he doesn't he doesn't think that that is a big deal. And then we look at it and go, whoa, it needs to be a big deal because BYU has Tyler Algier back, and they've got uh, they've they've got. Uh, Lopini Katoa, come, I mean, they're two 
primary guys. Keone Finau, Jackson yeah, McChesney. McChesney back, Finau back, Davis back. They're loaded at running back. He only he only values that at five percent, right? So wide receiver and tight end receiving yards he values at thirty four percent of his formula. Dax Milne's gone. Yeah, thousand yard receiver is gone. So that that has a big impact. And then returning offensive line snaps, where you're going to lose Tristan Hodge, and you're going to lose Brady Christensen. I don't know if he's missed a snap in the last Chandon Herring and Chandon Herring. So so, but we know how deep they are. We know that they. They have nine guys that have started games right. on that offensive line right. last year. So, And then defense, he has a similar, but returning tackles is the big thing on defense. 56% of his formula. So if you're reading this and you, you know, on Twitter and you're going, man, BYU's going to be terrible, I say well, let's call it a reloading year. Yes, because, not rebuild. Because we, we know what they've got coming back. How about Isaac Rex? How about Holker coming back from a mission and, and, and going to play tight. They're loaded at tight end. They're loaded at running back. They got good receivers coming back. Offensive line will be strong again. We, we know they're capable at quarterback. They might not be Zach Wilson right now, but they're capable at quarterback. Eh, I'm not buying this. It's rebuild. A, it's a rebuild. I'm not buying it. All right, we're on the reload BYU football train. Let's keep this thing going. All right, coming up, a rise and shout-out to the BYU equipment truck drivers. Plus prop pick perfection. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. BYU Sports Nation always available on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Or download the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review the show. So thanks to Shep's whiff on my previous prop picks. <laughs> Love you, man. Jaron went into the weekend with a 2-0 lead, Blaine. I needed a sweep in the Pacific game, and I was up for the challenge. Number one, more first or second half points for BYU. I said second half. They had 33 in the second half, only 31 in the first half. There's one point. Number two, which BYU Cougar will lead the team in three-pointers made? I said Brandon Averett, and that was spot on. So we're even. (laughs) Number three, which brings us to this. Winner takes the week. Loser spins the wheel of consequence. Spencer Johnson will score how many points closest without going over? I said four points. Jeremy had eight. He had six. So I win closest without going over. There's the sweep. That was a great weekend. Yes, indeed. Props to you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. Let's go to our question of the day. What was your biggest takeaway from BYU's double overtime win over Pacific? And in response, our elite voice of the day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort at at Tashalin19 on Twitter that I probably need to get a pacemaker (laughs) in order to survive the rest of the season. Hashtag Cardiac Coups. That's what they do. Amen to that. They had us going, and they pulled it out. Today's rise and shout-out, a combined effort presented by Mountain America Credit Union, guiding you forward. Blaine, an unbelievable scene in Clinton, Utah. I love this. As Brandon Stewart, uh, a man who is uh, a religious leader in his community, is suffering from terminal brain cancer. He said in one of his last dying wishes he wanted to ride in the BYU football equipment truck. Kalani Satake took him swag. They drove the truck down there. Drove them around in the neighborhood. I mean, everyone's crying, understandably. Amazing effort from BYU football in the yeah. equipment truck. Shout out to that equipment truck and to Brandon Stewart. Oh, so great. We love you, man. Our thanks to today's guest, Nick Robinson. Yeah, and started Dennis Pitta. We ran out of time again. The conversation <laughs> continues 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Use the hashtag, hashtag BYUSN. For Blaine, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Lewis Wong. See you tonight for BYU Basketball with Mark Pope on the app.